You're listening to Pastor Mike Reiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you'll be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, The Best Gift You Can Give, recorded on Sunday, December 24th, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Kringle. All that stuff. I am here to bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Are those good words? Good words. Merry Christmas. Well, um, if, if, if God has a Christmas tree, a great big Christmas tree, and you can sneak up into heaven, but you have to leave. It's, it's hard to sneak into heaven and leave, but let's say you had to. And you can put a present under there for him. What would it be? What do you think about that's a hard person on your Christmas list, God. <laughs> like, let's see, what does he not have? Um, well, I, I hope that the only answer you could think of would be to take a bow and put it on your head and you sit under there. Because really, there is nothing else you and I have to offer God but ourselves. But you know what's good to know? We serve a God who says, that's all I want. But another way to put it is if you moved the word all... He could also say, he could also say, I want all of you. Uh, God, he's not a, he's not like a, one of those romancers who shows up and uh, uh, you think he might promise you the world, but he'll never commit. Um, he's one who wants every bit of you. God said that you, you will find me when you seek me with all your might. He says, I, I have this commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your strength. Well, there's not much left of you once you've given all that. That's what God wants. He's really not interested in any partway commitment. All in or all out. The whole hog or nothing at all, right? Not that you're a hog, because you're not. You're fine people. Christmas is a time to think about the greatest gift you can give, which is you uh, and all of you to God. I want us to go back to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph. It's about a week after the baby is born. Um, And they are going to the temple. They are taking their baby and they're making an offering. An offering of all of him. So look in Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bible, I'm going to be in 2, 22 to 32. That's a lot of twos. Luke chapter 2, jumping in at verse 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Jerusalem wouldn't be far. They could get there in an hour or so, walking. As it is written in the law of the Lord, quote, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, quote, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. What's going on here? What are, what are these new parents doing with their baby? Well, according to the law of Moses, every firstborn male was holy unto the Lord. And, and in your household, it meant every male of every species. So if you own goats, and you had a little goat et, I don't know what you call it. Is that, is that a you, a female goat, or is that a female sheep? You don't know either? Okay, it really doesn't matter. Let's say it's just a, a goat et, and she has her very first kid, and, it, and, and it's a male. Then that kid is holy unto the Lord. And you say, well, that's great. That little sheep's going to be like its whole life saying, I'm holy unto the Lord. I'm better than my brothers. Well, it's not as happy a news for that kid as as it might think. Because what holy unto the Lord means in the law of Moses is it is to be killed in sacrificial offering to the Lord. And if you have a sheep and and it has, or a sheepette, and, and it has its first male kid or little baby sheep or whatever you call them, Holy to the Lord. If you have a cow and and she has her first male calf, 
holy to the Lord. They're offered at the temple to God. He says, the first male belongs to me. Now, if you have an animal that cannot be offered, because you can't offer every animal, like say you have a horse. Horses are not considered ceremonially clean. When they have their first male, that's a colt, right? Thank you. Front row, colt. Bad football team, but they make good horses. They have their first colt. That colt is holy unto the Lord. But guess what? You cannot sacrifice a horse in a Jewish temple. It'd be, it would be an abomination. So what you have to do is break its neck and kill it. But if you don't want to break its neck, you can actually go back, take a, a male lamb. It doesn't necessarily have to be a firstborn, but you can take a lamb and you can offer it in its place and buy it back from the Lord or redeem it from the Lord. So I have this new baby horse. It's holy to the Lord. Instead of killing it, I kill something else. You say, well, I don't have a lamb. Then you'll have to break its neck because it belongs to the Lord and not to you and you cannot sacrifice it. Well, this is for the animals. It certainly can't be true of the humans. According to the law of Moses, it's true for the humans. The firstborn male child belongs fully to the Lord. Now, God does not allow you to kill, to murder that child, to sacrifice that child to him. So you must redeem it. So you must bring a lamb. And if you say, well, I'm too poor, I can't afford a lamb, that's when he allows you to give two turtle doves or two pigeons, not because they're fine birds, but because they're common birds and they're cheap birds. And if you can't buy them, maybe you can catch them. So a poor person could at least give two birds. And most likely, this is a poor family, either that or since they're away from home, it's easier to buy a couple of birds than to give a lamb because maybe all their lambs are bouncing around back in Nazareth. We don't know which it is. So what they're doing is they're, they're taking their son in and they're offering him to the Lord. You know, many of us Protestants, we do something called child dedication. Your child is born and we bring the baby up and we bring the family up and it's, it's a it's a perfectly, biblically, beautiful, appropriate thing. You don't have to do it, but it's good to say, we're offering this baby to you, God. It's yours, and we're dedicating it to you. Well, to the Jews, they took it even more seriously. They had to give an animal to buy back that son. So that's what they're doing. Joseph and Mary were good Jews, and they were following the law of their book, written by Moses. Now, we need to note a couple important facts about this. One is that there's a great irony here. And that's in our first map line, right? Here's our first map fill-in. Jesus' human parents offered two birds to redeem the baby Jesus. That's the law commanded. He needed to be bought back. But God the Father did not do the same for his own son. Instead, God offered his firstborn to redeem sinners. Throughout the last 2,000 years, people who are not Christians have stumbled over this reality. That the Bible teaches that God became man and human sacrifice was offered for the sins of human beings. They've stumbled over that. You may stumble over that. But I want you to know that there's no other way to please God than to believe it. This is the cross that causes scandal. This is the cross that offends. God sent his son to buy you. You're not the firstborn. Well, some of you are. I'm not. I'm the secondborn. Secondborn males are the best of males. Firstborn males are second class. And I'm sorry for all you older brothers. That's just the way it goes. If you're an only son... It's probably you were had out of order. You were the fine second son, and God said, well, you can't do better than that, and that's why you're here. <laughs> but all you older brothers know we're better than you. You may be a woman. You're like, well, I guess I'm, 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 I'm out of this. I, I don't have to be redeemed. Well, it turns out all of us need redemption for a whole different reason because of our sin. There's a great irony that God, <laughs> here's God's son, in the hands of Mary, this son is going to be offered as a, he's going he's to offer himself, right? 
Right now, two birds are in his place, just like they're supposed to be. 2 Corinthians 5, let me show you this in Scripture, just because the Word of God speaks for itself so well. It says, for our sake, God, he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, for our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange. He never did any sin. You've done sin. I've done sin. And here's the great exchange. He took him who had no sin, and he said, boom, all the sin of the world is on you, so that you and I could be made as righteous as he is. Uh, You are not right now, if you're a Christian, as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous. You might say, well, you don't know what I did this morning. I think I still got to wash up with some prayer before I, right? Because that's what we think. We think, well, yeah, I'm forgiven all my sins, but then I, I, I stacked a few more on, and I got to wash them off with a prayer or let some time go by. You ever do that? You sin against God, and you think, I can't, I can't repent yet. I got to let some time go by. So he kind of forgets about it, and then I come back and say, remember that thing that happened yesterday? <laughs> Right? You do that, don't you? We think like time is some sort of a, a cleansing antiseptic from heaven, but it's not. The reality is, if you're in Christ, before you repent of that sin, it's already washed away because it's not your righteousness. It's his. And that can't be stained. And it's given to you as a gift. People stumble over that. You Christians... You think you can do whatever you want and be forgiven. It's not really what we're saying, but yeah, that's kind of how it ends up. <laughs> Jesus is God's only begotten son. He's not his firstborn. Now, Jesus, we, gotta, we don't want to mess up Jesus, right, in, in our thinking. To be clear, he's lived forever as God. He did, in a point in time, in history, take on a body. But he's lived forever in eternity past as God. He, there wasn't once God the Father and no God the Son, and then somehow he birthed him. When it says he's the only begotten Son, he's eternally the Son. But by begot, only begotten means he's the only one who's like the Father. Are you with me? Anyone have any Pup, getting puppies for Christmas? You're like, Shh, don't let the cat out of the bag. I guarantee you, if someone's getting a puppy for Christmas, if you, if you want to find out a little bit of what that puppy is going to grow up to look like, you find the mom and the dad puppy, dog. And, and, and because, and, and if you say, you go back and say, hey, I want to know what this dog's going to look like that I'm going to give to my kid. Could I see the father? And someone says, oh, yeah. I'll show you the father. And they bring in a, 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 a hippopotamus. Give me like, that is not the father of this puppy. Hippos have hippo babies. Dogs have dog babies. Humans have human babies. But God, if he has a begotten son, must be God. People stumble over this. Jesus is man? Sure he is. He wet his diaper. He's got to be human. But he's God. God has only one son, and he offered him up as a sacrifice for you. Why? Does God love you? You might have heard it. Do you believe it? Does God love you? What would it take to prove it? What would he have to do? What would he have to give? He gave his own son, more precious than anything to him, for you. To redeem you. To buy you. And those things redeemed, they're bought for God. (laughs) Yeah, he loves you. That's the point. You see, salvation is free. Salvation is free. Forgiveness of sins is a free gift. All your religion is unnecessary and worthless. And some of your religion is an insult. It's an insult to God to do religion, no matter what religion, and think you are pleasing him or becoming righteous because of him. He gave his only begotten son, and you're going to tell me you prayed the rosary or you went to Sunday school for a million years and somehow you memorized verses, so I should let you in? You're better than those people over there, you think? That's why? No, no. That's, that's worth nothing compared to what he gave for you. 
has only begotten Son. There's no other way in. You have to accept that it's free. You have to accept that you were never good enough. That's humbling, isn't it? I have to accept that. We're like the horse. Unclean. We could not, in other words, you couldn't be offered for your own sin. Because you're not clean. No sinner. <laughs> you know, when, when, they, when, there was, when they were offering lambs, they had to be spotless and perfect. Why? As a symbol of holiness. You're not a symbol of holiness. Neither am I. If anyone is, it should be my mom. But you're thinking the same thing about your mom. But unfortunately, if you talk to your mom, they'll tell you, not even them. Listen again to what the Bible says. This is beautiful language. Knowing that you were ransomed. Ransomed. That's awesome. It's like God got a note from Satan, right? He cut out a bunch of different letters from the newspaper. I have Jill. If you want to see her again, it'll take the blood of your own son. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not You weren't ransomed with perishable things like silver and gold. Not with perishable things like silver and gold. Silver and gold is what we kill and die for. We do war for silver and gold. If I was ransomed for a bunch of gold or bitcoins, they'd say, whatever, I'd feel pretty valuable. Oh, no, no. The Bible says, you weren't ransomed with that garbage. Gold? No, no. But with the precious blood of Christ. That's the price. Christ doesn't die for sins, you don't have a way in. People say, well, any religion will get you there. Coexist. That coexist thing works unless there's a Muslim with a sword in the room. (laughs) An angry one. I mean, there's Muslims, I guess. It doesn't matter. We can all coexist together on earth and sing Kumbaya. But the only ones who go to heaven are the ones who go through the precious blood of Christ. There's no other way. Any other way means you're awesome. Any other way that you can find, except for the precious blood of Christ, means you're awesome. And God said, you're so awesome, I'm letting you in. Only foolish human pride would say, I'm so awesome, God's letting me in. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the great news of... How how do we start out with that... This day, and to use it, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is it. You are saved for free, redeemed by God. This was foretold by Isaiah. It, in, in, if you listen to Handel's Messiah, which is pretty awesome, if you've never listened to it, you don't have to like um, uh, uh, chamber music. Um, what do you call that? Uh, my brain is classical music to, uh, to like Handel's Messiah because they sing all scripture. You know, that's the one that has hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord Almighty, you know, all that stuff. A lot of it's Isaiah, singing about Jesus. Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Christ was born. Listen to what he wrote. What he wrote here, many Jews stumble over. They, they have, and this is their Bible. This cannot be Messiah. Many non-Jews, atheists, stumble over this. They cannot stand this thought that I'm about to give you. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. God sent his only son in order to crush him. It was Satan's plan. Satan definitely wanted it. He had no idea (laughs) it would backfire on him. It was those mean Romans who did it. They certainly were mean, and they certainly did it. It was those Jewish Pharisee leaders who did it. They were in on it, too. There was ever a lot of people in cahoots on this. Don't blame God. I don't blame him. But Isaiah, his prophet, blames him. He said, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. To crush him. The baby was born to be crushed. God has put him to grief. Listen to this. When his soul makes an offering for guilt... The Messiah was never to be the hero who takes a sword and chases off the Romans. He was always to be a guilt offering. And Jews know what a guilt offering is. If you were born in the time when there was a temple, and there hasn't been one since AD 70, but if if you were, you you knew guilt offerings because there was a lot of blood being thrown around. 
You were bringing animals and they were getting slain. On festival days, there'd be thousands of animals. Priests working around the clock, just whacking cheap. Bloods in bowls, bloods being thrown. It sounds, it sounds horrible. This is like a rated R worship service. I wouldn't go, but I'd have to go. You wouldn't send a human to be a worship offering, would you? Yep. But then comes this line right there in Isaiah. But he shall see his offspring and prolong his days. That doesn't make any sense. If you give someone as a guilt offering, they don't see their offspring. They don't prolong their days. They're pretty much dead. Yeah, but except for what may have been hard to understand seven centuries before Christ, we understand now he was going to rise from the dead. God said of his son, I will not allow my holy one to undergo decay. And so he got up. And it's the will of the Lord to prosper his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. What's he going to see? What does God, what does Jesus see when he's risen that satisfies him? Snickers bar? They really satisfy. Is that it? No. He said, the Bible says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the shame of the cross. What he saw was you saved. Does God love you? Did you come in here thinking he did? When I asked you the first time, did you think, I know the right answer is yes, but I just don't feel like it. Did you feel that way? He loves you. When he got up from the grave, he went, hot dog! Wash their sins clean. I just saved a multitude. And it satisfied him. He did what his father wanted. What did his father want to do? Show his tremendous love to the whole earth throughout all times. Right? We're 2,000 years later, and here you are. He bought you 2,000 years ago. He bought a lot of people between you and him dying on that cross. That's what satisfied his soul. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, watch this, make many to be accounted righteousness. Righteous. To be accounted righteous. My wife's an accountant. My kids make fun of her. They think she has the most boring job in the world. People who aren't smart in math, I guess, think it's boring. But people who know their stuff realize we got exciting things going on with these numbers. And I'm very proud of her for being an accountant. They put things where they go. They check this. No, they don't go there. This goes here. This is an accounting term in the Bible. By the knowledge of the righteous Jesus, God's servant, many will be accounted righteous. So now I want to think about you. Say God's got a big book and he's got a bunch of names. (laughs) And it's his big accounting book. And God's a CPA, by the way. He keeps count of everything. And he's up there and he sees your name. I can't say all your names at once, so so just say it in your own mind. I might see my name, Mike. Right, okay. Righteous or unrighteous? You got to put the put it in the check mark in the right box. Uh, let's see. Oh, wicked thoughts. Two hundred million. <laughs> Use the Lord's name and wow, that's not good. <laughs> then there's oh, can't talk about that in church. Can't talk about that in ch- list of things not to be able to set in church. Four thousand seven. Four hundred seventy-five. You mean that's my accounting book? He says, wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus raised his hand. Yeah, I saved him. Oh. He's counted righteous. That's it. That's how it works. That's what that means. You're just counted righteous. Can you take free forgiveness of sins? Is that okay with you? Really? For he shall bear their iniquities. It's not like, hey, he ripped off the system. He wasn't perfect and you let him into heaven. That's what an older brother would say, right? (laughs) Shut up, Max. That's my older brother. No, this is completely fair because it says he bore his iniquities. Jesus Christ died on that cross, Max, so Mike's iniquities could be paid for. This is fair. The debt is paid and so with you. This is the good news. So Mary and Joseph obediently offered two birds. 
to buy back Jesus. Do you see the irony of that? When it's his own blood that's going to buy her back and buy Joseph back and buy you back. But there's another thing I would like us to look at and marvel. Oh, one other thing. I can't leave this out and let your imagination fill it in because I can't fill it in. When the high priest would take the Passover lamb into the temple once a year, this was a particularly holy sacrifice, and he would bring the blood into the Holy of Holies, which was a place the high priest could go only once a year. You just weren't allowed in there. It was the holiest spot on the earth. According to the scriptures, when Jesus died... He was brought right into the temple, not in Jerusalem, but in heaven itself. And his blood was offered right there for the sins of the world. Now, how can that be? Your imagination is all I can offer you. Physically, that's not what happened. Physically, he died on a cross right outside of town in the trash. But heavenly, spiritually, he marched right into the temple and his blood was offered for the sins of the world. But that one more thing to marvel at for Christmas here. And this is another map fill-in. Ready? When anyone comes to know Jesus, that person receives righteousness as a gift. Furthermore, that person receives the family standing of Jesus, who is the firstborn son of God. So when you receive Christ, and you have to receive Christ, you don't get the forgiveness of sins unless you participate. In other words, you got to say, yeah. It's like, if you ever been at a raffle like a gun raffle or something, and, and it's one of those that you got to be there to win, and they call out somebody's name, and he ain't there, and you start to feel bad for him until you realize there's one more chance you got. But then before that, though, you feel bad for him. Dude, if you need to get in here. They're calling your name. Could be your best bud. You're like, well, maybe they'll call my name. I'm him. <laughs> You don't get forgiveness of sins unless you want it. And you can only want it through Christ. So if, but if you do receive it, you get accounted as righteous, but there's more. You also get accounted as adopted into the family of God. You know, you ever wonder what heaven's like? I'm going to get to heaven and God's, God's pretty scary. So uh, maybe they have some big meetings where we all go and we hear them and I'm way back in the crowd so I don't have to get too close to him. And then he goes back into his mansion or whatever he's got and I stay on the outskirts of heaven somewhere like walking my dog. I don't really want to meet him. I just want to be happy forever on golden streets and all that stuff. But he's a scary guy. It's not what it's going to be like. Your family. Your family. You ever hear that Olive Garden commercial? When you hear your family, it's a lie. I, I went. I was like, thank you. Oh, it's, I'm a family. Thank you for the food. And before I left, they gave me a bill. I'm like, this ain't family. This is not how family does it. You ain't family. That was a lie. It's really a restaurant, in case you didn't catch it. With God, you're family. And you get the standing of the firstborn son. And you're treated that way. Let me read to you from Galatians. When the fullness of time had come, that means in the whole history of the earth, from the time God made the earth, when did Jesus come? At just the right time. You might think it would have been better if he came during radio. He could have talked on the radio and did broadcast and got past Israel. Or maybe he could have come now and he could have been on the internet and he could have preached to the whole world himself. But he came at a time when you could only talk to Israel and that's it. And, and walking around, but that was just the right time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman Born under the law, why did God send Jesus? To redeem those who are under the law. If you read the Bible, this message never changes. In one place it's to redeem, in another place it's to redeem. He's always buying us with his blood. To redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive, here's where you should say forgiveness of sins. But it doesn't say forgiveness of sins, it says adoption as sons. Now it's not saying sons because... God doesn't understand that some of these people are women. It's saying it because he's saying you are coming in Christ. In other words, you come in the same standing as my son, Jesus. Everybody gets the standing of the firstborn. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What would God say if he saw 
God the Son say if he saw God the Father, he'd say, Daddy, because that's what Abba is. So what are you supposed to say when you pray to God the Father? You say, Daddy. You say, well, he ain't my daddy. He's not your daddy. You had a physical daddy, and he looked nothing like God. And, and some of them are still alive. Some of your physical daddies are, are gone now. But now you have a spiritual daddy because the Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in you. And somehow it's wrapped around your spirit. I don't know how that works, but it is. You are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir. You want to be an heir of God. It would be nice to be an heir of a rich person. You know, I want my own parents to be my parents. But if they found a rich person who's willing to legally adopt me, and then that person would go ahead and die, I wouldn't have complained. How about you? My heir, my father is gone. And I get all that. What's that? That's everything. He's your father too. Next time you're driving your little uh, tiny Chevy and getting blown by by people in much cooler cars. <laughs> and um, people, you look on TV, people have more money than you. And every, you just say, you just wait. <laughs> you, know, you just wait. I, I, my father owns it all. He's just having me drive around here in this thing because I'm undercover. <laughs> when he comes back, you say, I was the prince. If you're not saved, you, I get your stuff. You know, that's the way it works. I don't know. Somehow it works like that. So you share in all that the Son has that includes his holiness. Did you know that if you have Christ, you're right now as holy as Jesus Christ is? Not only are you loved, you're holy. Now, on the way here, you fought with some people in your family, and they're like, he ain't talking about you. You're even nudging them. He ain't talking about you. But it's not true. It is you. It is you. Now, you should make up for that fight, because as children of God, we are to behave a certain way that reflects our dad and behave in love, so we can say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness of one another, and believe me, you're going to have to as long as you're human. But you're completely holy, right now. You ever wondered about that? You think, if I'm walking down the street and uh, I just, I hit something on my toe and it breaks and I curse the Lord without thinking about it and at that exact same moment lightning hits me in the head and I die, will I go to hell? Because I didn't have time to say I'm sorry to God. Well, the next second you're going to see him face to face, you can go ahead and say it, I guess. It'll probably be uncomfortable, but you will not go to hell. Because the holiness of Christ has been accounted to you. It's never your holiness that was getting you in in the first place. It was always his. That's why Christians who get so uptight, they think that everything's got to be perfect. And they like to look down on other Christians in the church. Do you doubt your salvation? No, I doubt Sister Smith's. (laughs) They're, They're in bondage still to sin. Because they think it's their righteousness that gets them saved. It's not. So you share as a co-heir. You gain eternal life. The body he he raised up in was a super body. You're going to get one. You're like him in all ways, in, in a sense. You don't get to be the only begotten of God. And you don't get to be God, of course. But you get to be something pretty special. But there's one more thing while we walk this earth, and on Christmas time, I hope you think about it. This is where, if, he, if Jesus offered himself a, a sacrifice as a gift to his Father and to you, he wants you to return the favor. Here's where the, I, I told you salvation is free, it is. I tell you, holiness is a gift. That's great news. But I didn't say it didn't cost you anything. Because the deal is, you're either all in or you're all out. Well, I'll take the free gift and then I'll live my way. No, no. No, no. That's not the way we do this. You're either in or you're out. Well, how deep in do I got to go? Well, not too deep. Jesus said, if any come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. Is that too deep? Your own death? Yeah. There is a form of Christianity, and there's always been throughout the ages, 
that tries to make it that you don't have to be all in. You could pretty much just be exactly who you were before and just say a prayer. <laughs> Get the free stuff, but you ain't in. There will be a lot of people on the, at the end who will not get in. Jesus gives all kinds of parables about it. Virgins, lamps, workers, all kinds of people. And they'll say, well, wasn't I yours? Never knew you. We never met. Now, one thing about family, they know you. Because they like the idea of free stuff, but they didn't like the idea of joining a different family. Because do you know why people don't become Christians when they know this is true? Because they want to sin. It's as simple as that. No, they wouldn't say it that way. They, well, I see things differently. That's your interpretation of the Bible. I don't see. I, what they're really saying is, I want to do what I want to do. They choose sewage life over eternal life. But I have better hopes for every one of you sitting in here. My hope is that I'm not talking to anyone in this room, that everyone here gets it. He gave all, so I give all, right? Is that who's in this room? So, so let's fill out one more map thing. It says, everyone who has the spirit of Jesus must, like Jesus, forfeit his life as a holy offering to the Lord. God, Jesus made his life a holy offering. You have to do it too. Now, you don't, you don't do it by being slain like he was, although that does happen to people who love Christ. They can be slain. But that also happens to people who don't love anybody. They get slain too. This world's a dangerous place. Getting slain's not that hard. But you have to be just as much a sacrifice but a living one. And that's why Romans 12, 1 is your Christmas gift. If God has a Christmas tree, what should you put under it? You. And, and, and the way gifts work is, if you really give them, like if someone ever give you a gift and you start to open it and they say, here, give me that because you're not opening it fast enough. I've had that happen. And they're like, and then you try to use it because, oh, this is cool. No, give me that. And they take it back. You know, <laughs> honey, I bought you a gift. What is it? Tickets to the Steeler game. I don't want to go. Well, I'll use them. Gifts aren't like that. Gifts, once you give it, it's all theirs. If you give yourself, you're all his. And here's what we are called to, Christians. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy by Christ and acceptable to God. This is your worship. This is worship. No, I know what worship is. It's when we sing at church. And I don't like the way we do it either. I got a few things to tell that pastor. Never sing the right song, sing them too loud, sing them too slow, sing them too fast. <laughs> or whatever. Well, that, that all may or may not be. But your main worship, when you show up on the first day of the week to worship, that just kickstarts a whole week of worship where you're supposed to offer yourself a living sacrifice every second. You're at work, school, work, rest, or play, Milky Way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that your spiritual service of worship don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Christian, reject the lifestyle of self-proclaimed Christians who say there's some sort of way to sneak in, get something out of it, but not give them all. The main application of Christmas is you're the gift. It really don't matter if you celebrate the Christ if you don't give yourself as the gift. Nope. God ain't impressed that you sing, come let us adore him, and you think he's awesome. You're just like Ricky Bobby with his stupid prayer, but he's an idiot. But I celebrated Christmas. He wants the gift. What's the gift? You. We're not finished. Let's go back to Luke 2 and finish. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. For the Jews, that meant he wanted to see the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Pretty awesome. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, and he took him up in his arms and blessed him. If you have a baby, some people are uncomfortable. Some people are very comfortable, and they just pick up your baby. And that's what this guy did. He's like, hi, Mary. Is that yours? Yeah, give me that. (laughs) I'm sure he was gentle, though. And then he said this, and this is from the Lord. This is prophetic words from the Holy Spirit. They made the Bible, and they're very important. Here they go, ready? Lord, he's praying. He's got the baby. Mary's freaking. Joseph is like, what am I getting into? I, sh- I, sh- I, sh- I should have married her sister. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff happening. <laughs> Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to the Jews, the revelation of the goyim. Thou goyim, the unclean, the bacon eaters. I think they're jealous. I'd be jealous if I couldn't eat bacon. Gentiles. For the glory of your people Israel. Glory of your people Israel What is this line? A light for revelation to the Gentiles. That doesn't even make sense with Jesus' life. Do you know who lived in Israel? Jews. Sure, there were some Gentiles. They were called Romans, and they just beat on you. Jesus was not a light to the Gentiles. If you read the Gospels, just study them all, and look up all the geographical places, he never left Israel. Sure, he went to the other side of Galilee once. But even that was supposed to be Israel. He probably met a few Gentiles, but not much. In Jesus' day, there were probably about 5 million Jews. They lived throughout the world. Maybe half that or lived in Israel. Those are the only people he could have come close to talking to. There were probably about 300 million people on the whole planet. Most of them Gentiles, but Jesus spent his time on the Galilee or at the Jordan River or in Jerusalem or at the temple. He was not a light to the Gentiles. So how could this prophecy be true? Well, the answer is in the Bible. When he rose from the dead, he said, all authority has been given unto me. And he said (coughs) to his boys, 12 of them, well, 11, one, one fell out. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you, and I'll be with you. And they did. (laughs) They went out. Think of the big job they had. They didn't even have mass communication, and they had to bring the news of Jesus to non-Jews. So we're starting from scratch with a whole new religion. Try that next week. Right, go down to a mosque and just say, how about we start over without this religion? <laughs> See how that goes. But heck, they didn't, even, they didn't even know the Christian religion. I mean, it was, it was Judaism plus. Maybe they heard of Judaism. I don't think they heard of it in China. The only way you could do that was as if you gave your life as a living sacrifice. You had to leave your mommy and your daddy and your hometown and your home food where people looked like you and acted like you and you had to go to somewhere where everybody was different and you had to tell them the gospel. You know how many people are on the earth today? It's, if you were to see a chart of how the earth's population grows and you can because we have the google who knows all better than oz you can google it you'll see you know year zero or whatever um it just goes like this right if this is the up it then all of a sudden right around the 20th century it starts to turn right the earth finally in 1963 the year i was born the year kennedy died got to three billion Finally, after all those years, got to three billion. I mean, you go back a hundred years, it wasn't any close. All of a sudden, there's this upturn, three billion. That's the year I was born. I'm 54. The earth has seven billion. 
Do you see what's happened in 54 years? Something that hadn't happened in seven or 8,000 years. The earth added 3 billion people, more than. There's more people alive now than ever been. Let me ask you, is Jesus a light to the Gentiles? Today, there's over 3 billion people in this planet with no church near them. In other words, no one to tell them Jesus died for their sins. It's just not. Three billion. That would be, let's see. I'm doing really simple math in my head. I shouldn't do it in front of people. 300 million, three billion. That would be, (laughs) this is really bad. 100 times more people, right? Somebody correct me. 300 million to three billion. No, 10 times, 10 times? No, that would be 30 there were 300 million, now there's 3 billion who haven't heard. It's 100 times more. No church near them, no gospel. God said, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will stand before me at the throne and worship me for what I've did, redeeming you with my blood. His love isn't just for a few people, it's for hundreds and hundreds of millions, it's for billions. But there's three billion who cannot go to church if they want to Sundays. Because there isn't one. There's no Christians there. Well, there's no way to get it there except Christians offer themselves up as a living sacrifice. Someone's got to go. We have a team in India, for example. Three families are there. They got up and left. They got up and left. They're trying to bring the gospel to a group of 25 million Muslims that are one people group. It's a very big people group. Six adults. Now, if we said, let's say no one in Pennsylvania knew the gospel. How many people are in Pennsylvania? I don't even know. Can't be more than 10 million. Right? Is there more than 10 million? I don't know. 15 at the most. Right? Am I right? Let's say only six of you adults were the only Christians, and we said, we're sending you to Pennsylvania. Have at it. From Allentown to Washington, we want them all to have a church to go to. Boy, would you have a big job. They have 25 million. Six people. Now, the power of the gospel is enough to spread. But it, it makes me think... Makes me think there's not enough people giving themselves a living sacrifice. It makes me think, what about you? Does world missions just bore you? Well, we got enough people here. Our pastor always want to send our money overseas. Well, I'll talk to you like a child. If you have a childish thought, you can tell your friends, and you already live here. Should be free to tell your friends. Should cost us nothing. Right? Right? Can I get an amen or am I alone? Do you praying for our 1016 team? Are you sending them money? <laughs> yeah, real money. Unfortunately, it takes money. And, and not just them. We have other missionaries. And not that you have to be harvest missionaries. Are you sending any missionaries money? Are you, are you encouraging them? And are they missionaries who don't just go to another country, but go where someone doesn't have a church? Just because you, I love it. People always tell me, we're going to missions to Alaska. I've been to Alaska. There's more Christians in Alaska than there are moose. Meese. Mooses. I'm not saying they don't need missionaries, but they got Christians who ought to go on themselves. It's like sending a missionary to Catanning. If someone sends a missionary to Catanning, it's to your shame. But there's places where there's no churches. Like Adrian. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Always picking on Adrian. I don't know why. There are a lot of good churches in Adrian. Are you building a healthy church here? Are you you bringing the light to the Gentiles right here so that more folks can get saved, more folks can worship God, and more folks can be sent to reach the end of the world? And for some of you who are in the rooms right now hearing this message here and in Indiana... 
and in Freeport and in Fairview, is it possible, I think it's likely, that the Holy Spirit of God is saying to someone who's hearing my voice right now, I don't want you to send your money. I want you to go. And you say, oh, missions is for missionary type holy people. You should see the people we sent. One of them's a pit grad. I mean, if a pit grad can go, anyone can go. People are going, wow, like they're all pit holy. <laughs> In all truth, if you know our missionaries, not just the ones we sent, but the ones we support as a church, if you get to know them, you know what you're going to find out? They're not missionaries. They're just regular people. They're men and women, boys and girls, moms and dads. And they're just as ordinary as you are. God doesn't have two classes of people. The holy clergy type. Whenever you want to be as holy as Pastor Mike, don't even try. <laughs> Trust me, it ain't hard. The bar is very low. Except for I'll have the holiness of Jesus, so that saves me. No, we're all just regular. The ground is level at the cross. What if God's calling you to go and that's supposed to be your Christmas gift? Today, you stop running from him and you say, yep, I've known it. I'm going to go. I don't know. One day, all nations, all governments will be placed under the rule of Jesus. Right now, there's three billion people who need a chance to hear the Christmas message. All of us are responsible to get the message to them. Some of us are called to go. Living sacrifice. Living sa- if you have an argument with this, all I will answer you is living sacrifice and leave it at that. Because if you give all, it wouldn't insult you to be asked to give to that. Would it? Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.